Hello everyone, Sarah Hanchar here with a brand new episode of Hi, I Think You're Nice, the podcast where I speak to a nice person about nice things for about an hour. Today my guest is Ashley Flanagan-Russell, and we talk all about the joys of Shakespeare. Flanny sure does love that Shakespeare guy, and for good reason. The stories, the characters, the sonnets, this, that, and the other. Whether you are a hardcore Shakespeare person or you've never learned anything about the bard, I think this is a fine way to get introduced to the fun that is Shakespeare. Hey, did you know that Shakespeare had patrons? Oh my goodness, he did. He had people who supported him financially so that way he could work. Uh, that brings me to my point. Hey, would you like to be a patron for Hi, I Think You're Nice, this podcast you're listening to right now? I have an adorable Patreon page where for just $2 a month, you can be a patron of this podcast. You get outtakes, you get a shout out, you get a sticker, you get my never ending love. And that is true, genuine and thorough. So head on over to patreon.com slash I think you're nice. And you can see what else I have going on there. Because I love my patrons, my current patrons, I love with my whole heart, and I'm so grateful for them. Every single month, I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Here are some outtakes, and I love you. So head on over to patreon.com slash I think you're nice. Check it out. See what's going on. Maybe get yourself a sticker. Maybe get yourself a really super cute cheese patch. <gasps> yeah, that's something you can do. You can. So... I mean, I'm not saying I'm Shakespeare, but I am saying I like patrons, like my brand new patron, Cheryl. Thank you, Cheryl. Ba ba da ba 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 ba. Bum 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 bum. Ba 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 bum bum ba. What? You got a trumpet fanfare and timpani bum bums. Thank you so much, Cheryl, for being my brand new patron. Ba ba da ba. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you are interested in just keeping in touch with me, you can find me on all of the social media. I am there on Facebook, I Think You're Nice, and Instagram, I Think You're Nice. And once in a blue moon, I am on Twitter, I Think You're Nice. You can always tweet to me, even if I'm not tweeting out myself. You can find me at I Think You're Nice. You can also just send me a message at sarah at ithinkyournice.com because I'd love to hear from you. I am now putting feelers out there to find new material, new folks to speak to, new topics to cover, and I would love your feedback. Back. Tell me, what are you interested in? What are you looking forward to? What's nice in your world? What makes you happy? I want to know so I can explore it and share it with the whole wide world. Sound good? Sounds great. Hey, let's jump into this episode. Thank you so much for being here. I love you with my whole heart. And let's have some fun with that crazy Billy Shakespeare. Woof, sorry. Let's have some fun with William Shakespeare. Okay, have fun. Hi, I think you're nice. Why, hi, I think you're nice. Let's have a seat and let's have a nice time. I think you're nice. So let's chat, so let's chat, so let's chat. I think you're nice, so let's chat. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Hi, I Think You're Nice, the podcast where I speak to a nice person about nice things for about an hour. My name is Sarah Hanchar. I am your happy host. And today I am speaking with Ashley Flanagan Russell, <laughs> the third. <laughs> <laughs> this is Ashley, and we're going to talk about <gasps> Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Hi, Ashley. Hi. Hi. It's weird to call you Ashley. You Hi, Flanagan. <laughs> Hi. That's why I need all the names. <laughs> I'm a lot of things to a lot of people. Yes. I When I asked Flanagan, like, what name would you prefer to go by? And she's like, all of them. <laughs> so, so we picked all of the names. Yeah. Anyway, so you love Shakespeare. I love Shakespeare. Yay. I'm excited to talk to you about him because that's one of the first things. So I met you at Unexpected Productions where I've met most of the folks <laughs> on this show. Yeah. Um, and you were rhapsodizing about Shakespeare. Was I? You were. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a nerd. <laughs> You, you look a little horror struck. It's like if someone said, Sarah, you were talking about dogs. Oh. I'm like, was I? Of course you were. You love you love Shakespeare and you love your dog. I usually wait till at least the third date. Yeah. Know? Well, to be fair, I think it was like just back room or um, green room chat. Okay. So okay. so it wasn't just to me. It was to, for a whole audience of, of oh, your peers oh, talking about it. Okay. And also, I think it was Truth or Dare. Yes. I, that's what I, when you said that, I think yeah. there was a, a Truth or Dare 
question mm-hmm. that was, if it was your last day on Earth, you were going to die. Oh, dear. Or something like that. I know. It was real, it's real dark. Roof. But it was something like, if you knew you were going to die and and anything was available to you, what would you do? Mm-hmm. And this was right after they had found... Oh gosh, I think this was when Richard the Third when they found him in the parking lot. Found. Yep, and then that was bringing a lot of people back to the actual foundation of the original Globe Theater, which is now underneath of another historic building, so they can't like completely unearth it. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember in that moment at that time, my thought was, I'll gather all of my friends and people that I love around me. We'll jet off to London, and you know sit on the edge of the foundation of the original Globe Theater and, you know, be where (laughs) Shakespeare was and talk about, you know, there's nothing better to talk about life and emotion and experience. And that was probably it. That feels a little less awkward than me going, hi, I'm Ashley. Uh, Do you know about iambic pentameter? (laughs) (laughs) There are weirder ways to greet people, right? Iambic pentameter, da-da-ba-da-ba-da-da-da-da-da. Yes, uh, Flanny has it tattooed (laughs) on her wrist. Uh, Tell the good people what that looks like. So it looks like somebody made a bunch of little tiny U's. So U slash, U slash, U slash, U slash, U slash. Um, It is the way that I mark scripts to signify the meter. Mm. So it's the unstressed, stressed, unstressed, stressed. It's the heartbeat of Shakespeare. The but um but um but um to be or not to be that is the quest. Jen, Jen, yeah, <laughs> gotta choose in a regular line. Um, I had wanted to do a Shakespeare tattoo for a very very long time, mm-hmm. but I could not land on a single piece of text. And some of the things that are more popular, the uh, and though she be but little, she is fierce. Sure, I mean have that a Classic. little bit. Of, you know, like but I don't like Midsummer. And yeah, it's that's from not midsummer, your jam. Yeah. and everybody has it. And so I was sitting with it for a really long time, and I was scheduled to go in and get my um, another tattoo the next day. And I was in a workshop with a company out of DC. Mm-hmm. They came to the Seattle Center, and we were working on some piece of text. I don't remember what it was at the time, and I was marking my script. And I went, oh, "If I did iambic pentameter, that's." going to capture so much more of Shakespeare than just a piece of text. So I I went online and tried to make sure there weren't 8,000 people who'd had the same idea. I wrote it on this little piece of paper and I, I showed up the next day and asked my tattoo artist, like, would you have time to do a second piece? And it would be really little. And she looked at it and it's kind of irregular because it's my handwriting. Oh. She was like, she was like, do you want me to fix that? <laughs> do you want me to make it look better? <laughs> And I was like, no, no, no. Like, I want it just like that because it's exactly what it is if I'm writing it. The number of times I counted the meter to, to make, make sure. Because sure. if you end up and you've got iambic sextameter, you've just screwed up the whole thing. It's so, like the no regerts. Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it tattoo. is. Yeah, it's no regerts. And so <laughs> I just sat and counted again and again, like making sure. And I was like. Um, and it hurt like a mother. Cause it's right on your wrist. Right on my wrist. Uh, felt like somebody took a, a little scalpel and, and just right Oy. in there. But it took about five minutes and I love it. And it's on the inside of my wrist. It's very much for me. It's something where most people see it and don't think anything about it. They just, oh, it just, you know, some Must little mean something symbol. To yeah. You. yeah. But I love every once in a while I'll have somebody go, oh. Is that an iambic pentameter tattoo? Or my Shakespeare nerd friends are super into it and I'm into it. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's truly lovely. It's the, like you said, it's the heartbeat of Shakespeare. Yeah. So no particular line is ever going to encompass all the things you feel about yeah. the work that uh, he's done. Yeah. The heartbeat is there through it all. Yeah. So I think that is the perfect tattoo. Well done. Thanks. I'm home, stuck with it. <laughs> home, home run of tattoos. Yeah. So have you always been into Shaky Baby? That's what trying, I call him. Yeah. Billy. Oh, Billy Shakes. <laughs> Billy Shakes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was trying to think back to when I was introduced. I know I have been interested in Shakespeare since at least fourth grade. We had to do a research paper and I chose Shakespeare. I think I had been introduced to him by my incredible ELP teacher 
Lorna Brackney. This was a, a teacher who would come at six in the morning so I could be dropped off before school and still come to her. It's the extended learning program in oh, Arizona. Awesome. But my mom was a single mom and I wouldn't be able to be in her class unless she was willing to come two hours before school. Oh, wow. And I think it was in that time. I think she's the first person who put him in my mind so that when we had this research thing in fourth grade, I went, oh, I know that name. I'll, I'll say yeah. that. But the reason in fourth grade I was interested is I was scandalized by the rape of Lucrece. Oh. <laughs> Which I knew nothing about. <laughs> one of these you two, were scandalized. One of these two long poems I still have never actually read. Oh, really? Yeah, I've never read them. But as a kid, I knew that was a bad word. Yeah. But I knew he was a famous guy and how he could get away with writing something. And it was in the encyclopedia. And so oh. by right, the research paper, I took my world book encyclopedia uh -huh. and I copied word for word every single thing <laughs> that was there. <laughs> and I think that my instructor knew because I talked a lot about his famous work, The Rape of Lucrece. And... <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, your teacher's like, whoa, yeah, what is what? this kid into? So, so, but I had to go back and do it again. And she made me go back and rewrite it. Uh, you know, well, plagiarism. Not just copy. <laughs> not, not good. <laughs> uh, that was my first lesson in plagiarism. And it stuck. Um, but then I just found some of the language really funny. I didn't really understand all of it, but I thought it was really funny. And that was my first foray into any kind of Shakespeare. And then I, in high school, at the same time, everybody else found musical theater. Okay. And that was <clears throat> the, oh, I can't say it. I have to sing it. And that was their way in. I ended up finding Shakespeare. Yeah. And I became a mega fan the way that a lot of high schoolers get super into musical theater. And I watched everything I could watch whether it was in person or on film so mm -hmm. kenneth Branagh, oh man i was such a fangirl yeah. so hamlet and much ado about nothing and then i did my very first play that i was cast in that was a shakespeare was as you like it and i played a tiny tiny little lord like i went in and i was Aww. i was just an extra body i think they intended to have the other high schooler and i who were in it be essentially crew we lost our rosalind in that production was playing eponine in new york oh. at the time and so she kept having to fly off and i had no lines really i had like two lines in one scene and so i would sit at those rehearsals and i would stand in and i would speak this language and then meanwhile i'm in a play that's really dealing with a tyrant parent uh -huh. right a tyrant parent who's being very unfair and doing what they think is best but they're um, Which player we? This in? is as, as you like, you like it. Okay, as, as you, you like, like it. it. So, um, two cousins. Celia's father has been banished to the forest of Arden. Her uncle, the duke, is uh, in charge of of everything, and he decides that he doesn't like Celia being around his daughter Rosalind because she is too pretty, too smart, too whatever, and doesn't let Rosalind shine. So then he's going to banish her as well, and it's just this. Bad dad, this bad dad, bad parent, and we had a, a a woman playing the the role, but it was just this connection as a teenager to the yeah. injustice of a parent being unfair, and then what do they do? Well, let's decide. Let's dress up like boys, and we're gonna run away, and we're gonna go find your dad, who's a better dad, and the escapism of it, and the idea that you can go on adventures and you can. Um, take your life into your own hands and and ultimately overcome that tyranny. I I really connected to that. Yeah. As a teenager. And then it was off to the races. Then I did a Shakespeare conservatory when I was still a high schooler that was through one of the colleges and was paired with one of the big Shakespeare companies. And I got exposed to a lot more language. And again, all of it's happening. I mean, when you're 16 and 17, there's so much emotion. Such big life. feelings. Big, <clears throat> capital big B, capital F, and, big feelings. And and it was this thing of finding language to put in my mouth that sort of articulated 
the big inarticulated feelings I was having. Yeah. And, and I was very serious about it. And it was a very, you know, it was all Hamlet and um, never really Romeo and Juliet. And some of the stuff from Mackers and some of the stuff from Lear and all of the big heavy hitters. It just became my gateway to express emotion and or or feel like somebody else had felt that way before. Yeah. And then I then I just kept loving it and eventually took it a lot less seriously. <laughs> it's the the seriousness of a teenager oh, is so God. ridiculous cuz I I was I was with you on that. Yeah. I I really my my mom got me into Shakespeare early. I had chicken pox in second grade and I remember watching the 1970s Romeo and Juliet. Is that the Zeffirelli? Um, I think so. Everything is soft and beautiful. Oh, I like it. When you're, when you are seven years old and you have the chicken pox. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I didn't mean to bard shame you. I'm really sorry. How dare you bard shame. I was into it as a young age. It was funny. The language I also liked because I understood it, but I didn't really understand it, but I understood it. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which was something tricky to the ear that a lot of folks um, I think struggle with and why they often think like, ah, Shakespeare, this is big, scary thing because he's talking so funny. My experience of it is kind of like seeing a foreign film where mm. it may take a few minutes to fall into reading the subtitles while you're listening watching. and watching. Yeah. And you're getting the emotion from the way that things are being said and by watching the actors on the screen. And then you're getting a little bit more in depth as you're, you're reading the words and it's a little bit of a, a dance in the mind to get it all to meld. And I think for Shakespeare, it's kind of that. I think people come and they want to, they feel like they have to understand every single word Mm. and it's sort of a wash. It's like a piece of music. You might hear a different line or a different instrument every time you listen to it, but you get the general feeling of it. Everybody does. We were doing, a production of Othello a few years ago, and we were doing a tech rehearsal at Volunteer Park. So we had costumes mostly. We had a little bit of set, no lights. We're just running through a few scenes and it's a big open park. So you've got families there and kids and um, pets, lots of pets, sometimes <laughs> sometimes ice cream trucks in the middle of performances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like, look at this big group of people. This is a perfect time. But... But there Get was, your SpongeBob SquarePants icicle right yeah, here. Ser- that ha- I, without the the old timey talking, but with the sound, it legitimately has oh, happened. No. But, oh no! But sorry. we're we're in this rehearsal, and it's um, afternoon, and this group of kids, and I mean little kids, like five, came over. They'd been playing soccer ball because there's a big field kind of just up above where the audience would sit, and they'd been playing. And one of the kids picked up the soccer ball ending the game playing for them for a moment and walked Uh over and stood and watched. And then the other two came and joined him and they sat there for half an hour. Oh, wow. Little kids. And the parents were like, okay. And then the parents went to take them and leave and they wanted to stay. And I was playing Amelia and had the opportunity to be up in that kind of audience area for one Mm -hmm. of my entrances And I had to wait a long time. So I'm sitting up there and one of the little girls came over and sat by me and she looks at Desdemona and says, she's the princess. She's the good one. Right. And then she she pointed at Othello and she said, he seems sad and he's a bad guy, she said about Iago. And it was like, wow. Yeah, Yeah, that's you know what? You're right. You're right. He seems sad. He's dealing with some stuff. Mm -hmm. She is kind of like a princess. Right. She's she's this really sweet and really good-hearted, honest person. And Iago's just a slug. Like, you got all of that, and they were engaged enough to just sit and see this story because they didn't have this filter of, oh, but it's Shakespeare. It's Shakespeare. And, oh, you must. Yeah. As I have taken it less seriously uh-huh. over yes. the years, as I... <laughs> relaxed no, a little bit. Relaxed a little bit, yeah. One of my favorite... Things that I do now kind of intermittently, it's about all I can do with nursing school, is something called Shakespeareans. And Shakespeareans? Shakespeareans. Oh, Beerians? 
And we literally take Shakespeare and turn it into a drinking game. We take the scripts and cut them down to, I would say, 40 minutes. But when we're drinking and we're performing them, it's they tend to extend because we get funnier <laughs> as it goes. And that's where the improv comes in. But um, we perform in different bars. We've been at we were at Solo Bar for a while and then we were at Naked City and now we've been at um, the Pine Box, I think is what it's called. It used to be Chapel up on Cap Hill. But I don't know it. Uh, we we come in. We've sometimes had a rehearsal. Yeah. Where we've just cast it and read through it. How often do you do this? Usually quarterly, once every few months. Oh, my God. We'll identify three words, usually ones that won't kill us. So, like, if we're doing Romeo and Juliet... Maybe it's not going to be love, maybe but not. maybe it'll be like moonlight or something. Um, so we identified the drinking words. The actors are script in hand, drink in hand. Okay. And the audience has drinks. And if we run out of drinks, they can send us more. <laughs> and then there's a bell. <laughs> and every time that word is spoken, mm-hmm. you drink. Amazing. And it's so silly and over the top. And the last one we did was a Midsummer Night's Dream. And we drew, the audience literally drew who we were playing that night. So we had no idea. Fun. Ended up playing Bottom, which was Oh, dreaming. my God. I know. It was one of those moments <sighs> where, you know, you come into it and it's like, even if it's, you know, I'm, I'm playing Mustard Seed. It'll be fun. It'll be great. And it was Bottom. And I just was so happy. And my castmate's reaction told me that they were happy, too. Yes. So, um, Everyone wants you to be Bottom. It was great. It was great. And we had a, we had a harpist. Somebody had a friend who played the harp, so he showed up, and every time the fairies came on, he was playing. And it's over the top because it's in that setting. Characters are big, broadly drawn. There's a lot of times that improvised commentary, which is sort of a bridge. It's this, here's the words that I've just said, and then I, as the actor, or kind of as the character, put a button on it that that is paraphrasing or maybe commenting on it. Yeah. and. I love it because, A, we get a bunch of people who are not Shakespeare people. Sure. Or actors or in any way involved in the theater. And, B, I almost every time I've done it, have somebody, usually it's in the bathroom afterwards when you're washing washing your hands and you're sort of stuck looking in the mirror and talking to the person. But they'll say, I I understood that. I understood that. I love that. I didn't know Shakespeare was funny. I didn't know Shakespeare was sexy. I didn't know it was this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, when... I played Paris in Romeo and Juliet. The audience clapped when I died. I was a real mm. douche bro. Mm-hmm. And maybe that wouldn't play in a stage production. Probably Paris not. is actually a pretty great guy in a lot of ways. But it was really fun and it just brings a different sort of fun to it. And it's a drunken romp. And I think that in some ways it's probably closer to what at least a portion of Shakespeare's audience would have experienced. Sure. And I think how it was meant to be enjoyed. Yeah. So, you know. Well, no matter what, even if it wasn't supposed to be enjoyed this right. way, it's supposed to be reverent and right. everyone sit quietly and yeah. fingers in laps. What? <laughs> <laughs> Not your hands, just your fingers. <laughs> what the... Fingers in <laughs> I just this image of everyone that their fingers... <laughs> You got those special pockets in your pants to put your fingers. Just fingers These are my Shakespeare thing. pants. <laughs> so clearly, we take it pretty seriously. Right, right. Where are you going? I'm um, going to the theater. Don't you see? I have my finger pants I on. Have my Shakespeare finger pants. <laughs> uh, well, that sounds amazing. So it's called Shakespearean. Shakespearean. Seattle Shakespeareans. What a beautiful way of just having fun with the bard and introducing it yeah. to folks who maybe. Like you said, didn't know it could be funny and sexy and crazy yeah. and not just your dramatic fingers and laps situation. And so. you have to get really creative. We did uh, Mary Wives a while ago and I played... <laughs> the Bear. Falstaff. Oh, you played Falstaff. Yeah, yeah. But we he famously in Mary Wives, the two women who are having him on, uh, unbeknownst to him, end up getting him into a big tub of nasty dirty laundry to be uh, taken out of the house and dumped in the Thames and it's this big funny slapsticky like real three stooges kind of thing 
And so in the bar, we had just an empty uh, hamper and it went over my head with the arms through the holes that you would take laundry to. <laughs> and I think it was great. Oh, but I bet you were a wonderful fall staff. It was fun. And it's such a one of the things I like about Shakespeare is there is no end to moments in my life that I think about either a moment in Shakespeare. Or I find the language to be really apt. I'm in nursing school right now, and even when we're in our simulation lab where we're working on mannequins and doing things, we will sometimes have laundry that we have to strip off the beds because your fake blood got all over it or sure. something. Sure, yes. know, like it does. Um, well, yes. The lube from the catheters that you're putting in is all mm. over. It's quite the adventure. I love thinking about that. And we have these really big laundry baskets. And somebody the other day was like, wouldn't it be funny if I crawled inside one? <gasps> right? And... <laughs> But but that image, the image of somebody in a laundry basket uh-huh. being rolled away or like <laughs> hidden under the the cover being closed and they pop out and you don't know they're in there. That's a funny gag. It's a yeah. funny bit. It was funny then. It's funny now. And I don't usually force my Shakespeare upon people in those settings. I don't go, oh, well, you know, who else loved a good laundry <laughs> basket was Shakespeare. And so in... Henry, there was this knight named Falstaff. No, I don't do that. But I have those thoughts. I have those thoughts a lot. I do actually. I shouldn't say I don't force my Shakespeare on my nursing school people. I do. Yeah. Um, when you I love think, something, it just comes out of I your think face in, and in your pores good and your heart. Ways. Like, so we, we just did a whole presentation. We being my group of six for one of my classes. And our topic was grief, loss, and mourning. Oh, wow. It was hilarious. Yeah. Heavy, heavy hitters in in the comedy zone. Um, But in part of that, we had two hours to fill. So a whole class, we got to go really in depth in a lot of different things. And one of the things we talked about was losing a child. Mm. And it's really hard. Yeah. And I immediately jumped to this gorgeous piece. And I don't, I don't, I won't remember it perfectly, but. There's a character named Constance in King John who loses um, her son who I think is like 10, 11-ish in it. Hmm. And she's explaining what it is like to lose a child because she's got somebody saying, you should get over it or pull yourself together or you're going to make yourself crazy. And she says, grief fills up the empty room of my child, lays in his bed, walks up and down with me. Um, remembers me his pretty looks, repeats his words, remembers me all his gracious parts, fills out the va- the fills out the vacant format of what is that? Fills out the vacant form of his garments, something like that. Wow. And if you had such a loss as I, uh, I could give you better comfort, something like that. But it was such a, I kind of stumbled on it, but it was just this really potent piece of language about a grieving parent and mm. not telling them to move beyond their child, right? To say for them that that grief and that loss and living in and remembering them that whoever they've lost doesn't have to be a child is part of that process. And to remember Mm. that when you're dealing with people who are sick or who've lost something or someone in their lives that it's really personal and sometimes holding on to that grief is the only part of that person they have left. Yeah. And it was just, I I, there's always a Shakespeare, there's a Shakespeare for that. It's like the, there's an app for that. Like there's always something that feels like it touches on a moment in such, with such precision mm-hmm. and also a scope of language that I don't think most of us have on our own where it's yeah. like, I wouldn't find that those words on my own, but that's it. That's right. Yeah. I'm getting like goosebumps and I want to cry and yeah. it's so beautiful and touching and what a what a what a gift to be able to have this breadth of knowledge to take with you for your for your nur- nursing voyage. There's a great a list of if you've ever said blank you're speaking Shakespeare. Uh-huh. And so some of them, you know, the green-eyed monster of jealousy, okay, that feels a little bit like Shakespeare-y, maybe, yeah. but some of them are really surprising. And it's just common coined language, coined by Shakespeare. And now we we speak it as if it's completely modern. And I think that's the point, mm-hmm. that his his language is our language. It's not that far removed. And 
we still use a lot of it. Yeah. And yeah. and even the the iambic pentameter is not actually that far from how we talk. That's true. I remember I made one up by accident in college once. I'm like, oh, that's neat. We do, what was it? <clears throat> Let's see if I can remember. We do the things that make us who we are. Oh, yeah. And that, I was like, oh. Yeah. And plus I I like that statement also. I want to go outside and move my car. Like, it's just, and no, you know, we aren't talking and aware of the rhythm. And uh, even if you're performing it, you shouldn't, I, I'll put on my You mean hat. you should not talk like uh, this yeah, when you right, were yeah, doing yeah. Shakespeare. <laughs> but being aware that, but being aware that that foundation is there is is good. I'm asking the questions now. How do, do it. how do you feel about either Shakespeare adaptations or Shakespeare set in wild and crazy ways? Oh boy. I I recently saw an article I think it's like The Onion or the Reductress or something and it's like uh performers do hamlet in a un- completely unexpected way <laughs> yeah. or something and that there's i and, and sh- my short answer is i like it yeah. because uh the themes are universal and everlasting so we can put it we can have um you know macbeth be about the war in the middle east we can have um hamlet be about a presidential candidate we can have like you know what i mean Th- these are all things that can be modern right now mm-hmm. they can also maybe like caveman times is pushing <laughs> it or or things like that i like modern adaptations i like uh fun adaptations mm-hmm. i mean i can't think of the 10 things i hate about you yeah so that's a that's clearly true shrew taming of the shrew and but here we have modern language we have modern yeah. um s- everything's modern but it's the same story and so, you know, Lion King is, yeah. is, is it Hamlet? Kind of. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's closer. To, yeah. I mean, it is, it is Hamlet. And then it's also like, is it a little bit of a cry story? And is it like every story ever written? Yeah. Is it, you know, yeah. Joseph Campbell would say, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. The hero's yeah, journey. But it is right. Yeah. I've got the bad uncle and the father who dies. And, and yeah. It is. So my yeah. answer is I'm, I'm into it. Because Shakespeare can be so wonky and scary, I love however we can get it. Yeah. However, if if it's the Shakespearean, like we're drinking and sharing it that way, if we're improvising it, if we take it to its original Elizabethan core with ruffles, mm. then that's great too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm into it. I mean, obviously I've seen some stuff that has not worked. Yeah. Has not worked. And it's just been, please God, let me die. I saw I saw a Hamlet in college that was I think the ultimate vision was sort of Hamlet, but in Dune. And okay. It, no, 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 no. It was bad. <laughs> it was bad. And, no desert. And depressing because in in rehearsal blacks, just as they this cast was running through it, uh-huh. gorgeous, gorgeous production. And then they just layered all this buttercream yeah. frosting on top of it and tassels and places they shouldn't be. And then be they and start wagging the dog. It was terrible. Yeah. But yeah, then I'll, yeah. But I am, I'm with you. It's funny. My husband hates hates any adaptations but we have very different ah very different perspectives on pretty much every kind of theater performance mm-hmm. which i think is fun but i i'm generally a big fan of it and i have even really enjoyed some of the modern things that are happening now this day and age to tell these stories in a way that reflects changing attitudes and and Hmm. social norms so i saw we had a romeo and juliet production here actually we've had two that have done some really interesting things but we had an all-female or non-binary cast production last summer and then a couple years ago a theater did a kind of immersive version where romeo was a character who was portrayed in this production as if they were a transgender male and one of the most moving scenes was Juliet helping him rewrap after the bedroom scene. Oh, my. And it's one of those things where that play, for me, we don't get a lot of time. There's a, I should say there's a huge burden on those actors with the time and language they're given to build a love story that is compelling enough 
To justify the means. To justify all of it. Of all yeah. of the stuff that happens. And and that bedroom scene is always, right? It's written in a way that we're seeing them right after and they're saying mm-hmm. goodbye, but there's usually uh, no actual sex or intimacy that we see. And that moment was a real big revelation. Yeah. And in that production, there also was Tybalt very specifically was the only character who misused pronouns. And that was a whole other just thing that was sprinkled throughout. Interesting. And then you had a female Tybalt and a male Mercutio. And then there was, I've always thought those characters, well, Mercutio in general, I think Mercutio is this wonderful amorphous character that can be in love with everybody and nobody. Yeah. But it did an incredible thing to that dynamic to have what was obviously a prior relationship mm-hmm. of some kind. Okay. And then spoilers. Yeah, what if happens? You, if you've not seen it, now what? now's the time to stop it. <laughs> you haven't seen it in 500 years, 400 years. Um but when Tybalt kills Mercutio, it just had such a different impact yeah. and it hit in a, di- a different emotional place. And I, I said earlier, I don't love that play. Mm-hmm. It's I actually have several that I'm not a huge fan of. Mm-hmm. And that made me see that play in a new way and those characters in a new way. And it made me really appreciate, again, this forbidden love. Forbidden love is not owned by the Elizabethans. Yeah. You know, it's not just rivalry and like deep emotions and deep hurt that go back. That's not owned by the like that continues and everything. That's why we've got soap operas and the, you know, true wives of wherever and the whatever. Like, (laughs) it's just all of the drama and all of the my feelings and you did this and you did that. And um, so in in this case, the adaptation is the reason why. For the maybe one of the first times you've enjoyed yeah. that play. Yeah. Do you know about Sleep No More? In New yes, York? in New York. Have you gone? I have not, but let's all tell the I don't know it well enough to talk about yeah, it. Um, I, I won't do any kind of spoilers because it really is such an experience. And I think you could go eight times and have eight very different experiences. But essentially, this really large performance space that is in Chelsea, I think Chelsea, New York. You come in and there are interwoven scenes from Macbeth set in or mixed with or somehow married to specifically Hitchcock's Rebecca. So not just the novel of Rebecca, but Hitchcock's Rebecca. Okay. And as somebody wandering through the space... Like the first thing, the very first thing I saw when I stepped off the elevators, and I think there are six floors, so you never know where you're going to be spit out if you're with other people, that you're separated. It's a very solitary experience. I I walked into the death of Duncan. It's the first thing that I saw. And the space is very interactive. So at one point I was reading, literally reading letters, made up letters between characters. And that was a little bit of the world of Rebecca. And, um, you know, there were some real textural things. So there was a fight that took place in a graveyard where I just turned a corner and all of a sudden two actor characters, totally nonverbal. It's all dance and movement and music. They're having this huge and you've got dust flying and things happening. And um, for me, because I don't like Macbeth. <gasps> I know. I know. Oh, my goodness. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. And I think this. So this experience is what helped me realize Mm -hmm. what I've not enjoyed about any production I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And it sort of unlocked that for me. So there's something that I saw in that that I will not share in detail because I would not want to ruin it for anybody else. But I have never had in a theatrical setting such a feeling of both thrill and terror and excitement and a feeling of danger like i shouldn't be here but i can't look away from this or move myself out of this and i'm so glad i'm here but this feels so wrong and and scary i i walked into a during that period there was one room that i walked into and i thought i was completely by myself and such was the environment that hitchcockian environment Mm -hmm. that when i turned and i saw somebody else standing in the corner i screamed i screamed loud (laughs) (laughs) Um, it was 
It was very big. Um, I think that's part of why I haven't really enjoyed it. But if you add that element of terror and it becomes this Stephen King sort of, or Hitchcock, um, environment of danger and every step, there's such weight to everything that's going to happen and that it's a murder. Like we don't, I've never seen on stage that have any horror for the audience. Maybe mm-hmm. it's because they know it's going to happen. Maybe it's something else. But when you feel like your soul is in danger for watching a show and then you watch a character under the influence of that or or whatever, under their own influence, inspired by that, kill somebody. Mm. I think it just has a different effect. So I, I'm willing to give it a try again. And I like the characters. I'd still yeah. like to play Lady Macbeth. I just don't like the play. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, yeah. I, I hadn't thought about it in that way. The reason I like uh, Macbeth is because of, of Lady Macbeth. Mm-hmm. I love her. Yeah. There would be no Macbeth right. without Lady. Right. Okay. He would, that nothing would have gotten done yeah. without her. And was it good things he did? No. Right. But, oh man, I I think she's an enchanting character. Um we did it in college, and I played Lady Macduff. Oh, I was wah, sa- wah. I was sadly murdered. Oh my! Yeah, can I tell you the most funny slash embarrassing thing that ever happened to me on stage? <laughs> yes, please. Okay, so I'm being murdered, <laughs> and <laughs> and I'm being strangled. Classic. And my murderer leans on me, and I farted. <laughs> And that was harrowing. I wanted to die. But then one of the witches, especially because one of the witches was like, who did that? And then then it became my favorite part of the show. Oh, my God. God. I mean, honestly, if you were being strangled, you would probably shit yourself. You definitely would shit. You know what? It was method. Way to be really, really committed. I was committed to it. Hey, when you're getting leaned on and strangled, sometimes you fart. That's what happens. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And then I, did I have to, I feel like I had to fall down a pit then. I feel like I was always falling into a pit. I wasn't cast a lot in college. Oh my God. I, was, <laughs> I love that. I love Mackie B with all of my heart. I, yeah. I, I don't know what it is about it. Maybe it's because it was one of the first shows I saw yeah. uh, when I was a kid. My, my mom like I said, my mom got me into Shakespeare really young. I saw it was an all African-American uh, touring company of it. And it was the most beautiful version I'd ever seen. It was very minimalist. Yeah. Um, and the Lady Macduff scene, I don't know if you remember, she's speaking to her children mm-hmm. about why father is gone. And um, but Lady Macduff, she'd already kind of gone cuckoo and they didn't have kids on tour. So she's speaking as the child to <sighs> herself and she's like, why is daddy you know, gone away oh or whatever? God. And she's like, oh, he has to da 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 da. I can't remember. It was my role. And I can't remember any lines. Yeah. Um, but it was, I, I, I mean, I must have been 12. Yeah. And I still remember this yeah. woman in bathed in light, just holding a child who will, ne- who will never speak. Yeah. And like, oh, ooh, I'm giving oh. myself goosebumps again. Um, it was just, this. it was just so good. And that was a. That was a beautiful example. I mean, that was, oh my God, that must have been the 90s, early 90s. I saw a production, God, it must have been 2001 or two. I had, I was applying for a Trinity rep at um, Brown University. So I was out in Providence and they were doing Hamlet. I love him. Oh, okay. So Hammy's your baby. Hammy's a baby. I love, he's one of my biggest babies. I love him so much. Um, and this was before Downton Abbey. I think now that's probably an easier leap than upstairs, downstairs. But at the time it was Mm -hmm. upstairs, downstairs was kind of the setting. This gorgeous thrust theater that also had playing platforms that were sort of mid audience at each of the three sides of the thrust. So you'd have thrust stage audience, and then this platform area with three additional stages and then audience. And it opens. It was a cold night in Providence, and so we're all kind of chilly. Who's there? Who's there? Somebody on stage, somebody on the platform. And then silence, and the entire audience, at kind of the same moment, looks up. 
and walking the cats is the ghost of Hamlet's father in full military dress. That's it. It was so simple. And it sent a shiver down my spine. It was just such a, and that's another ghost moment, right? Mm -hmm. Why is there a fear around the ghost? And why aren't we believing the ghost in these things? And that started that production, which then had so many moments of pure magic. One of the things, because they said it that way, I suddenly, it, it shone a light on the Ophelia Hamlet dynamic. Mm -hmm. And the power dynamic in a way that it wasn't before. Polonius was the head of the household and it was a woman. So oh. she was a kind of nosy mom poking okay. her nose in everybody's business. But Laertes and Ophelia were part of the household staff. Oh. And then you've got the owner of the house. So that was just a simple, quick storytelling way. And instead to give of give us status. And instead of Ophelia singing some of the Elizabethan tunes, she was singing these snatches of old, like lauds from the like 20s and 30s and one of the platforms had this bathtub full of water one of the scenes she's just in the bath she was in a nightgown but a white nightgown and she's being stood over by claudius and polonius and um gertrude and they're just standing and discussing her fate and her existence as a human was so minimized and she ended up Mm. It just, it was a a beautiful moment and you start to see her unravel and unravel and unravel in these really simple ways. And you cut to the second half of the show. You come back from intermission and we see far upstage, all of this furniture covered with a white cloth and the story that told, it felt like this part of the castle that had never been touched since Hamlet died, this old dusty room. In come two servants, they each take a piece of that white cloth and they walk it down off the apron of the stage and leave and in walks Fortinbras army. And suddenly it's a snow covered field in an instant. Brilliant. And as soon as they're gone out of the bathtub, Ophelia goes running down the stage into the snow and she's doing snow angels and it's right before she dies. And that progression, these little tiny moments of magic were just those were the, mo- I mean, it's not the the baby that you don't see, but those things mm-hmm. stick in my mind. Like I'm still there. I still feel cold. I remember because yeah. it was cold and seeing her like feeling nervous and feeling worried for, for the, yeah. the character in the snow and her fragility. And I think, I think theater in general has the possibility of doing that. But when it's coupled with these epic stories and these epic journeys, it just, you don't forget those things. And that whole audience had that experience together. That was also one of the things is, you know, we talk about theater as a you know, communal experience, but that we were all sitting and it just felt like every house in that, every head in that 2,000 seat house just looked up at the same moment yeah. and had that same shiver and that same fear. I think, I think that's exciting. That is exciting. Yeah. And it's, we've touched on it a few times, the most simple applications of the of things yeah. is makes it the most impactful yeah so it's not being burdened by concept it's taking the material and finding the crux of it and then yeah then finding a dance to it and then he's the same guy who wrote sonnets that start out literally the whole first set of them are him going hey you're pretty now you're gonna get old you should have a baby because you're gonna get ugly and you can look back and remember how good looking you were i like a lot of the weird ones i mm-hmm. like winter's tale a lot too okay i like Winter's. that's the one with the bear not married yeah. wives of yeah, 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 yeah. i'm sorry bad. I read, when you said bear i mean my bad winter's tale is the one that has a bear in it probably the most famous <laughs> stage direction in if not just shakespeare like i don't know is there a more famous stage direction than exit pursued by a bear um <laughs> I just love it. And I wonder, like, if he was just like, ah, fuck it. Like, yeah, we got to get you off stage. Just, uh, and uh, there was a bear. Cool. Bye. (laughs) I mean, that feels like lazy improv. Yeah. Is what, like, uh, shit, a bear. Just Just go. Just go. Well, we also don't do a lot. I think there was probably so much more double casting Mm. than we do now. And so there might have literally been a moment of, like, get off stage so you can go get the other costume and do the thing. And True. Um. You've mentioned a number of your favorite characters and plays. Are th- what other favorites do you have? Do you have any that you are dying to play yourself or just ones that you like to read? 
I would love to play Iago. Mm. I think he's the most villainiest villain of them all. I love his language. And he's just so unredeemable. So that's that would be on the list. I have a lot of dudes I want to play. That's um, fine. Yeah. Mark Antony, I got to do in a Shakespeareance, which very silly setting, but it was my first time. Caesar's not one I had really delved into before. Mm-hmm. And I had never put that language in my mouth and I fell in love with it. I love the sensibility of I'm here to bury Caesar, not praise him. You know, sort of like talk all these conspirators into letting me have this big speech and I'm not going to say anything nice about him. But, oh, yeah, I mean, life was better when he was alive. But, no, it's good that we killed him. And, oh, yeah, no, it was really fair. And uh, everybody was, you know, eating and, and had a roof over their head. But, no, 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 it's good that we killed him. And just the, like, the yeah. art of that I love. Uh, there are a few small roles that I have always loved, but I probably won't get to play. I love Anne in Richard Third. I think she's so complicated. And... Quite frankly, I think Richard III as portrayed in the play, which I don't think is the real Richard III. That's a whole other. Oh, yeah. That's a whole, that's a whole Tudor's um, history versus reality yeah, versus. I have a whole, yeah. whole in rep thing I want to do. Um, but it's this sort of he is one of these powerful men as a woman in a really vulnerable situation and what she does to survive. but also what it is then to truly, because I think it's a more interesting choice, fall in love with your abuser. Yeah. You know? Um, so I find her complex and interesting. And I think my, the ship has probably sailed on me playing her. If ever there was a ship that was going to wait for me to get on board. That's a stretch <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> on the, sure. On the USS you know. <laughs> uh, Richard the third. Yeah. Um, but I would love to go back. I loved playing Amelia. I would love to do her again. Mm-hmm. I was playing her at a time that was a really kind of tumultuous one in my life. Personally, I felt a little young mm-hmm. to have played her. So I'd like to come back to her and do her again. Um, Hermione in A Winter's Tale. In, in A Winter's Tale. I love that play. Love, love, love. And I think she's another really complex woman who's got to be strong and dealing with some shit. But. Um, perseveres and overcomes and has some gorgeous language, raw, raw language, and things happen to her. Um, I don't know. A lot of the comedy stuff, I mean, I would like to play Bottom. I don't like Midsummer, but I'd like to play Bottom. I don't like Macbeth, but I'd like to play Lady Macbeth. Um, <laughs> and the list goes on and on. Yeah. You know, I I have not read a few of the play. So I know there's some stuff in there that I'm missing that I'm, I'm sure I would find something else that I wanted to do. If nothing else, the Shakespeareance is like the funnest way to dive in and get those words in your mouth. And we don't cast based on like gender or type or anything like that. It has nothing to do with it. And so, yeah, I get to get a lot of those characters in me at least a little. Yeah. Which is fun. Super cool. Yeah. Do you have any recommendations for, like, what what are some of your favorite entry-level Shakespeare's? Like, if you're, if if you don't, if you can't make it to the theater, if you can't make the Shakespeareans, like, what can people watch? I think Twelfth Night is an awesome gateway drug. Okay. There, I say, actually, probably the best performance I have ever seen of anything was seeing the all-male production. Stephen Fry was Malvolio. Mark Rylance was Olivia. It was so funny and so fast and so wonderful. And the only time I have ever... One of the big shticks in that is the twins, a male and female twin, keep getting mistaken for each other. Mm -hmm. The audience is never fooled. This production, I went, what are they doing? They can't have one person playing that character. The director knows it. They have to be on stage together at the same time, right? Uh-oh. Uh-huh. It, it was two different people, but they so masterful was uh-huh. the casting and the staging and the costuming that until they were on stage together, I did not believe it. So it was amazing. 
that was a good production. Um, that is to say, it is a very accessible play. It's very funny. It's very slapsticky. I think it has an easy to follow story, pretty regularly done as a Shakespeare in the Park during the summers or in a regular season. Much Ado is great. If somebody wants a video production, I think yeah. the Emma Thompson, Kenneth Branagh Much Ado is a great place to start. It's not perfect. We've talked about some of the performances that are not amazing, but <laughs> you do have, you've got Denzel Washington is also in it. Yeah. And, um, I think Jack Lemmon is in it. Uh, there's just a ton of people that they'll recognize. And sometimes that makes it feel a little less mm-hmm. foreign. So, yeah, the comedies. And they're fun. Ways in. They are. They're romps. They're, yeah. They're romps, but they've, they've got a little love. They've got a little music. As You Like It is a pretty easy one as well. Mm-hmm. I don't love As You Like It. I've probably done more productions of that than anything else. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. It was the first one that I was in. I've understudied Celia. I've done it for a Shakespeareance. I tr- directed um, well, directed a production that ended up getting canceled in college, but um, had a version of it then. I think there have been one or two others, so I'm over it. <laughs> okay, uh, so maybe don't do that one. I'm over it, but it's a great, easy story. Yeah. And I think it's, a, you know, I found out when I was a teenager, I think it's a good for young people, this feeling of escaping um, a tyrant parent and then escaping into nature and then the adventures that you go on. And there's some body humor and there's some music and fun. Um, yeah. So I say do that. Do those things or do any version of Shakespeare you can get your hands on. Yeah. Because so. it's it's a fun, good time. And. It's so beautiful and it makes my brain happy. Yeah. It, I feel like it opens up parts of my thought processes that I maybe wouldn't have experienced before or thought about before. And yeah, these touchstones in my life. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was a Shakespeare thing. And um, yeah. So thanks, mom, for getting me into it. Touchstone, the character, and as you like it, uh huh, was so named. Because the actor playing him, and I'm probably wrong. I want to say it was Burbage. It might have been somebody else. Probably was Will Kemp, and I can't remember which one. But the actor's father was like a goldsmith. I believe this is correct. Don't don't, don't quote me. I won't quote um, you. But that was how you tested the metal was on a touchstone. And so the oh. character name was an homage to this actor and his family. And Interesting fact. That is an interesting Thanks fact. Yeah. Lovely. Are there, I mean, we could literally talk for probably 300 more years uh, about yeah. about Shakespeare. Let's see. Any, <laughs> Anything else you want to make sure you share with the people? I don't care about authorship. Oh, okay. Yeah, because that's a hot topic. It's a hot topic. I think I used to be real, oh, it was Shakespeare and only Shakespeare and this person, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. I think the majority of it was written by one person. If that was the historic figure of William Shakespeare, great. great. If it was somebody else, great. I think we can absolutely confirm that there are big chunks, especially in the later plays, written by other people. Mm-hmm. Cool. Collaboration. All right. Neat. Um, Still gave you doesn't take really great yeah, stuff. Doesn't take anything away from me for that. I just think I encourage everybody to get out. I think I like Shakespeare because it is accessible, usually still financially for people. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of other theater, you can go out and watch it for free in the park. Take Take a picnic. Take a bottle of wine. Take your family. Have fun. Don't take it too seriously. Yeah. Get what get from it what you can. And that's it. I love it. Yeah. And I love you. I love you. And Reginald has joined us here. Hi, buddy. He's like, you've talked long enough. <laughs> I want to He was very good. He was very good. This was your first time in the studio. Big yawn. We bored him. We bored you. But Shakespeare's not boring. Will you be the polar bear? Will you be the bear in a winter's tail? Yes. Yes. Do it, buddy. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming into the studio today and talking to me about Shaky Baby. Thanks for having me. Of course. I love Billy Shakes. I hope you do, too. I do. And I hope hope listeners get inspired to check him out. Yeah. Because there's a lot to be passionate about. I mean, we touched on probably 30 different plays and 30 different (laughs) plots. And we didn't go into detail about any of them. I know. So if you wanna if you wanna follow up, I highly encourage you follow up. Um, There's a great series that the Globe did called Muse of Fire, mm-hmm. and 
I don't know if everybody would enjoy it the way that I do because sometimes it's a little in the weeds, but they essentially talked to, I don't know, 30, 40 different Shakespearean actors across the the spectrum. So you get your Judy Dench, your Alan Rickman, yes. your um your Ian McKellen's. You also get people who are straight out of school talking about Shakespeare in general, their approaches to the language, but also how it impacts the world today or like why is it still relevant or why does it matter? And so if you like any of those people, it's kind of a cool way in to hear them talk about Shakespeare too. And so I recommend those. Musifier. Musifier. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Excellent. Thank you so much. And shall I would like to invite you. Shall we do musical arm farts in iambic pentameter? Oh, yes. Shall we? And I have to tell you, I've learned my new <clears throat> dog. This is a sound she's very afraid of. The farts? The like <laughs> sound. <laughs> As I was practicing, because, yeah, I practiced because I've you not did. done an arm fart before. <laughs> that sound, she jumps off the bed, runs to the door, and then will bark. And she doesn't bark. It is like a new button I found in my dog. <laughs> but yes, yes, let's. Here, let me bear my arms. Yeah. And let us. Uh, let us is there a fart. good, do you need the meaty part for I it? usually use the meaty part, okay. but everyone's flexibility okay. is different in how they feel comfortable okay. farting. Okay. Reginald is in on it. Hi, He's buddy. interested. Ready? Let's do it. Ready? <gasps> So much Ashley Flanagan Russell the third for coming in today. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Okay, bye. Bye. Who's your good boy? <laughs>